Welcome to Women Winning It Writing Podcast Show. I am your host, Chelsea McCoy, and this is the show where we talk about all things writing and all things editing from a woman's perspective. This show is brought to you by Your Writing Table, where we help you tell your story, your way, in your words. This show has been developed to discuss the behind the scenes of the book writing journey and the writer's experience. We talk about a range of things from writer's block to what inspired you to write your book, what your writing process was like, editing experiences, and so much more. Our goal is to provide inspiration, motivation, encouragement, and to break down the myth that writing a book is impossible. If this is your first time joining us, again, my name is Chelsea, and I am a published author, editor, and the owner of Your Writing Table, which provides full-service book writing, consulting, editing, and publishing services. I've been writing and editing for over 20 years, and I guarantee you, I eat, sleep, and breathe writing and editing. For all our returning listeners, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast family. We appreciate you, and we thank you for all the support, the questions that you send in for topic suggestions, and all the positive feedback. Thank you so, so, so much. Last but not least, thank you to all of our partners who support us financially and help us to continue creating quality content while providing a platform for women writers to share their writing journey, promote their books, brands, and their businesses. If you would like to become a partner, please click on the link at the end of the episode notes for more information. And please, please don't forget to follow us on Spotify and other platforms. Please, all you got to do is click the follow or the subscribe notify button so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they drop. And now let's get into today's episode. Welcome, welcome, and welcome everyone. Thank you so much again for tuning in to another amazing episode. And we are just so glad that you are here with us. And we've got another phenomenal woman, of course, who is winning at writing. And today we're going to talk about literacy. And so, of course, with this being a show about writing and editing, we literacy is kind of sort of important, right? Like literacy is the bones, like literacy is going to take you so many places. I'm sure if y'all remember the show that was out in the 70s called The Reading Rainbow. If you don't, I know I'm telling my age, but there was a show called The Reading Rainbow and it was on um, the, the PBS channel, the public broadcasting um, public broadcasting station. I think that was it. But anywho, the show focused on books and teaching children to read and sharing with them the importance of reading. And so I'm so excited about our guest for today. She is a huge, huge advocate for literacy and making sure that children from birth starting early, you guys, like early, it's like, don't wait until they're in kindergarten. Don't wait until they're in first and second grade to begin trying to promote good reading habits, but you want to start now. So she's going to talk to us about that a little bit more. So without further ado, please help me welcome Maya Smart to the show. Welcome, Maya. Thanks so much for having me. I love the mission of this podcast, just to encourage people and let them know that getting their book into print is completely possible. Yes, it is. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to sit and chat with us for just a bit. So we will not waste any time. We're just going to dive right in. Please tell us about yourself and your book. Yes, my book is called Reading for Our Lives, a literacy action plan from birth to six. And it is an idea that I thought about and 
wrote short pieces and blog posts about for many years before putting it all together into a book to share with parents. But my journalism, my background is in journalism. So I was very familiar with writing and sort of article length shorter pieces. But writing a book for me was not a simple matter of doing a compilation (laughs) of different articles. Writing a book is sort of its own longer term journey, or at least it was for me. But I definitely want to encourage your listeners that it's possible. So I did traditional publishing. Early in the pandemic, I wrapped up a book proposal, which is sort of like a business plan for your book. And then through some introductions through friends in writing, I was able to secure a literary agent who then sold the book to Avery, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House. Uh So um, it was a a long road to publication. So even after selling the book, it was another year before I completed the writing of it. And I think another year before it came out in August of 2022. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations on, you know, even having the opportunity to be with a traditional publisher because that's a goal of a lot of writers and it's not as easy (laughs) to get picked up by a traditional publisher. So congratulations to you. Um, Well, what inspired you to become a writer? I was named after Maya Angelou by my parents. And so writing and reading were always a big part of my upbringing and just had a love for novels in particular. And then as I got older, um, a love for nonfiction and just using books in a really practical way to improve your life, to gain new skills. And so on some level, I always thought I would write something, but I didn't know what particular form my writing would take. So after I had my daughter about 12 years ago, I was really saddened by news headlines that talked about really vast disparities in reading achievement uh-huh. between black children, white children, and Hispanic children, white children, and kids from lower socioeconomic backgrounds and higher socioeconomic backgrounds. So I wanted to dig into what contributed to those differences because we know it's not anything inherent in the kids, right? Mm-hmm. It's something differences have to do with different experiences they're having, different preparation they're getting, different instruction they're receiving once they're in school. Mm -hmm. So I followed my curiosity as a mom to dig into those questions and come up with some answers. And the things that are included in the book are really practical suggestions for parents of infants, toddlers, preschoolers, of things they can do in everyday life to build literacy skills and set kids up for success. I love that. So when it comes to literacy, like if someone literally asked the question, why is literacy important? I know you and I know, but for someone who is not familiar with the term or maybe doesn't understand exactly what the purpose of having good literacy skills is, could you break that down a little bit? Absolutely. And this question is why I gave the book the title Reading for Our Lives. Because I really wanted to emphasize that even in this technology age with AI and all these things people are experimenting with, regular old meat and potatoes, reading and writing still matters. (laughs) Your phone can't for you. (laughs) I can't do it for you. It's about developing your own mind, thinking and skills. So reading, it's not just reading for fun. Although I mentioned my personal enjoyment of novels, 
it's reading so that you can understand all these legal agreements that you have to sign, whether you're leasing an apartment or buying a home or downloading an app. It's reading so that you can know and your rights and protect them and <laughs> advocate for yourself through voting and understanding all the legislation and things on ballot. So it's still critically important and people think they can skip over it or learn what they need to learn from the video. But there's so much to be gained by being a skilled, fluent reader who can turn to a book or an article or a technical manual to find better in your life. Yes. I'll, um, I'll add to that, that we know that really early experiences in kids' life around language and literacy and education have a lifelong impact when people don't get, develop the reading skills that they need to thrive. They struggle with employment. They struggle with homelessness. Mm, yes, they struggle yes. with involvement in the criminal justice system, et cetera. That's such an amazing point. And thank you so much for breaking that down. And while you were talking again, I, you know, I mentioned the show in the intro about the reading rainbow and I remember now the song that says, you know, I can learn how to fly. I can do all of these things. You know, it promotes and for children, of course, it promotes using their imagination, you know, and to be able to read a book, you can go to another world, go to another life. You know, you can read about what happened in medieval times or you can read about civil rights. You can read about, um, you know, fantasy characters, you know, but it's just, um, it is. It's super, super important. And of course, as we become adults, we do need to have literacy, literacy skills, excuse me, in order to be able to function. Like you said, to read paperwork when you're looking at leasing an apartment or, you know, learning legal jargon if you have something within the court system. And what I've learned recently, medical paperwork. When you have to go to the doctor and they're saying, hey, are you a new patient? Okay, you got to fill out the paperwork, you know, and so literacy it's just it's key it's literally key so how did you become so passionate about bringing a greater awareness to literacy and to give the understanding at why it's early to develop these skills at an early age I just um develop the passion just from that curiosity and wanting to know why 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 (laughs) (laughs) why are we having these terrible reading outcomes why aren't schools doing a better job of teaching black kids in particular how to read and when I dug into it it felt also like a a solvable challenge but there is a a large body of research over the last 20-30 years that describes how reading develops, how kids gain those skills over time. And I felt like it's something that if there were just more people talking about it and sharing the information, it actually could make a difference. I agree. So the curiosity led to just optimism and momentum and excitement. And that's wonderful. And I love that because this is something that I I don't think is talked about enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? A lot of times you don't find out that your child may have, um, you know, they may not be reading on level or they may have a reading, you know, um, I don't want to say disorder, but they're not reading, you know, how they should until maybe they're close to middle school. You know what I mean? And so now your child is in fourth, fifth, sixth grade and you're trying to figure why you know, they're having difficulty doing homework or why their test scores on the standardized test is not where they should be. And so I think this is absolutely, it's, it's awesome that you're doing this. So let's talk about the bath book bed mantra <laughs> and why <laughs> reading aloud to our kids is, you know, that's just not enough to get them ready, 
you know, to be ready for school. Absolutely. So we we often hear through public awareness campaigns and a lot of nonprofits are really focused on reading aloud to kids mm-hmm. and establish that, you know, some people say 15 minutes a night or 20 minutes a night or whatever length of time. Yes. And don't get me wrong. That's incredibly important. If you can build that habit, absolutely. Your kid will benefit so much from all the vocabulary that you introduce through those stories, but also just from the time with you and the nurturing. But for many parents, that uninterrupted time at at bedtime isn't realistic due to work schedules or other issues. And I think the the focus on that um, prevents us from talking more about other things parents can do all day, every day, anytime you're with your child. So there's a lot of brain building and relationship building and vocabulary building that happens in back and forth conversations with children when we're intentional, Mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. with their babies. It matters if we treat their coups and babbles as conversation and just build those habits of responding. Yes. And they're outside of books. There's a lot of print you can use. You know, the print on the side of a cereal box or the print on the on a street sign as you're walking through your neighborhood. So those are all opportunities to build um, pre-literacy skills and vocabulary. And we need to tell parents about those as well. I agree. And that's so good because I remember my, my oldest son, who's 24 now, <laughs> but when he was small, I can definitely remember we would be watching TV or, you know, driving down the street and I would point things out to him. Like you just said, the street sign or, you know, a billboard or whatnot. And before I knew it, when we would go visit one of my aunts, he knew the exit on the freeway and he would say, mom, we're going to go see, you know, um, we're going to go see auntie. And I say, yeah, he's like two, three years old. And he's like, yeah, this is the street that we're going to exit on. And this is the freeway that we're on. I mean, he was picking this stuff up and I'm like, he really is paying attention. You know? And I think that's when we as parents are like, okay, yeah, they're, they're seriously paying attention. Or of course you're in the most inopportune moment and they say the wrong thing because it's something that they read on the TV screen, you know, or they saw something somewhere and you're just like, that's not what you were supposed to say. <laughs> but it's, it's wonderful in the big picture, right? Yeah. That they were paying attention, that they were reading or referring back to something they had read. So I love those are all great examples and wonderful stories. And it highlights something else that's really important. Attention. Yes. So many parents who have multiple kids will say, you know, I did the same thing with all my kids. And yet this one struggles with reading and this one um, excelled. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just different kids, different personalities. True. Uh, different interests some are paying more attention than others when you're to the print on the page when you're reading together for example so some kids will sit and they'll notice if your finger is tracing under words on the Mm -hmm. page and make the connection that what you're saying is coming from those black marks page not from the pictures but other kids are dancing around they're acting out the story they're doing other things (laughs) while you're reading so that's another reason there's just not enough to read to your child every night you have to consciously try to bring their attention to the print and help them understand that that means something and it could be on a grocery list again it doesn't have to be sitting on your lap while reading a book it's just an everyday life for the sign see and now with everything in the digital age you know you and I can relate to the 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 print and everything being you know some things being on a piece of paper but now you've got ebooks 
And, you know, um, when you even when you go grocery shopping, there's a digital shopping list, you know. So um, when with everything being digital, like I even noticed my youngest son is 12. We do more. Oh, come look at my phone or come look at the computer, you know, versus here's an actual print book. So with me being an editor and a writer, of course, I still love traditional books. Give me a print book any day. Yes, I have a, I have got Kindles on my phone and eBooks and digital downloads, but there's nothing like a hard print book where you can actually touch the pages, flip them with your hands. You know what I mean? Like I still have a highlighter. I will highlight in a minute you know, and write notes in my book. So I feel like the digital age kind of takes away, you know, from our kids really being able to appreciate literacy as far as coming from reading stories, you know, like, do you have an opinion on that as well? I do think that the digital lives that we lead now have an adverse impact on reading in many cases. And it's not just like the kids use of technology. It's the way technology steals our attention. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. it sucked into our phones and we're scrolling through stuff (laughs) instead of engaging and having those rich back and forth conversations and asking kids what they think about things and pausing to listen to their responses. And also when we're sort of immersed in our phones, we I read a lot of books on my phone. I have an e-reading app yes. <laughs> on my phone. But like to my doctor, I could just be scrolling Instagram. She doesn't know what right. I'm doing on my It's just all phone for her. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a place for having just plain old-fashioned magazine subscriptions. Yes, yes. <laughs> my doctor bought a magazine in an airport bookstore recently, and then we were able to have a great conversation about it because the paper was big enough that I could see what she was looking at, comment on the pictures, and, you know, this whole great conversation emerged as a result of that that wouldn't have ha- happened if she was on a device. <laughs> yeah, and I love that. Now, do you remember the children's book Highlights? Yes. <laughs> Highlights. I My mother subscribed to that for me. She got that for me. When I tell you that was the best book, I was so excited when I saw that come, you know, in the mail when it would arrive. And I just enjoyed being able to read the stories, you know, do the little word puzzle games, you know, and the stuff that they had in there for kids. It was literally the best thing. And not only now, I, my mom, my dad kind of interacted with me a little bit more on that. But my friends and I, would do that and my aunt actually got it from my cousin as well my cousin are the same age so when we would get together she's like don't forget to bring your highlights book you know so (laughs) it was just you know I think um like like you had that interacting with excuse me interaction with your daughter it does something different when you've got a print you know that you've got right there in front of you that you can share and discuss you know and have those literacy moments versus on the phone the digital moment Everything is not video, especially kids. I think now they're first when they want to learn something new. Often their default is to go to YouTube and yes. find a video, listen to somebody talk. Yes. And in many cases, they would get so much more specific, in-depth, helpful information if they read something about it. Definitely. But that build those skills. Definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. So have parents come back to you and shared how the how the book has increased their children's literally, excuse me, literacy <laughs> skills and their interaction with their kids? Yes, it's been wonderful to get reader feedback. So one mom in particular I spoke with had multiple children 
and her oldest son was five or six and was like sort of a reluctant reader and after reading the book she was able to use something I called a GPS framework which is just supposed to give parents guidance when they have questions about what to do next with their child Mm -hmm. and so she took action to the G stands for like guidelines getting grounded in developmental milestones and you know grade levels or reading levels for different grades and um to get a sense of where kids typically are at a certain age or stage um and then the the p is about personal reflection so doing some journaling getting in the habit of taking notes um when you see an example of something that concerns you about your child's reading so maybe they're reading robotically or they're having consistently having confusion around certain sounds or whatever it is that you're noticing just getting in the habit of writing it down in a paper notebook or even in an app on your phone mm-hmm. but having the date specifics so that you get in the habit of remembering and recording and then the s is for specialist so that's when you go to your pediatrician or you get a referral to a speech pathologist or uh-huh. you're someone at the school you have these notes that you've taken and it allows you to get the conversation starting at a more advanced point mm. so I love that mom who actually did that work of the journaling and the thinking and planning what the next step might be for her son as opposed to taking a wait and see approach which many parents do for too long yeah mm-hmm. it's easy to take the wait and see approach though if you think about it oh I'll just wait maybe it's their develop you know they're developing or you know maybe it's a phase they'll pass through yeah it's it's real easy to just sit back <laughs> and then there are a lot of voices who will affirm that wait and see approach too they'll say oh you know so-and-so's son didn't talk until he was eight and look yes, at him now yes <laughs> so we can find people it's easier to find people to say wait and see there okay. aren't many people who will say nope you need to address that quickly you need to dig into that if you're consistently worried about it like trust your intuition follow yeah, up exactly. you know be yeah. advocate file. The other thing in the uh-huh. example of that particular mom was I liked how she used that framework to research, be proactive about her oldest son. Okay. Who thought had some reading challenges, but mm-hmm. then she used it with her younger kids. So with them, she had new, new tools, new skills that she could use, like talking about letters in everyday life or having the back and forth conversation. So she felt like it gave her... Because she had the older child, she was able to describe a big difference in her behavior. With the first one, she did what she knew to do. She read to him at night. With the second and the third, she was able to bring a whole additional set of pre-literacy building skills to the table as a parent. So that that's one that stands out in my mind. Oh, that's awesome. So now when you were creating like the GPS and other tools and strategies for, you know, parents as they're reading the book, what was your writing process like? So a lot of the, I read a lot of (laughs) academic studies Uh and so I would kind of summarize, you know, my interpretation of what the research said and then I would write down questions that I had or things that I thought I may have misunderstood about the research and then oftentimes I would call the researcher and ask them questions and many, you'd be surprised by how open they were. Mm. Okay. (laughs) Okay. that and talk people want to share their research they're publishing in these academic journals that are read by other experts in their field but many of them had a strong desire to communicate their research findings to parents to regular people who could you know make behavior changes as a result of what they learned yeah um 
able to to deepen my knowledge that way. I used I had a giant um, spreadsheet. I used something called Airtable. Yes, which I've heard is uh-huh. sort of like Excel, but you can um, drag things into cells so I could have um, images or whole documents or you know links in different fields, and so I would keep track of information that way. And fact-checking was a big part of the process as well. So a lot of it was just reading, thinking, asking people questions. And then once I got to a point where I felt like I knew where I stood on a particular issue, such as, you know, how to teach letters or how to build kids' awareness of sounds within words, I would draft it. I'd prefer to write in Google Doc. It feels more casual than Word. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just wrote like long uh, Google Docs and just revised a lot. There were gaps in my knowledge. Again, read, research more, talk to more people. And then once I got it to a place where I felt it was solid, there were certain people that I asked to read through it. Um, Some editors, like I paid an hourly rate to read through it. I had fact checkers that I paid an hourly rate to make sure that my um, interpretation of certain studies was phrased accurately and so there was some to write the kind of book that I wrote there was definitely some expense involved on my part yes for sure yeah but that's awesome that you took the time and you had the um the ability to be able to speak with the researchers I think that that's so cool because they're the ones that like you said they created these studies and they provided the information in the academic journal so why not reach out they, you know, those are excellent sources. I love that. Well, one last thing before we wrap up. What is one fun fact about Maya that people might not know? Like a favorite hobby or your favorite pastime, something you love to do to relax? I love like candles, aromatherapy. I have like a, a pillow spray that I use every night. It's like lavender and eucalyptus. And I've like tried all different kinds of like brands and varieties, but there's one particular one that I got from a spa in Arizona years ago before COVID. And that's like just part of my nighttime rituals. Like I know once I spray that, it's like, okay, lights out. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I love that. <laughs> and even um, scent is part of my writing routine as well. So like my workday startup routine, I plug in my, um, you know, like, not plug in, but like fire up my laptop. Um, I always have a cup of tea or coffee and then I either light a candle or I have like the oil, um, oil diffuser thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then so that's like kind of like my um, ready to write routine too. Oh, that's awesome. I absolutely love that. Well, how can listeners connect with you and also get a copy of the book? Yes. So my website is my name, Maya Smart. So it's M-A-Y-A-S-M-A-R-T dot com. And on the website, if you go to mayasmart.com slash book, there are links to the book at various retailers, but it's available through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the big bookstores and independent bookstores as well. There's an audiobook version that I recorded. Um, And then each week I also have a newsletter where I send different family literacy activities and kids book lists and different resources to families. And so people can sign up for that via the website as well. 
Awesome. Well, listeners, we will be sure to uh, have her links in the episode notes. So you will be able to click on them and get a copy of the book and connect with Maya. Well, thank you again so much for being our guest today. It has been an absolute pleasure and just thank you so much for taking the time to research a subject such as this and to bring more awareness to something as important as literacy and reading. Thank you so much for having me. I love the opportunity to chat with you and hope that some of your listeners are inspired to take the next steps in their writing projects. Definitely. Well, listeners, as always, keep winning at writing. And until next time, everyone be blessed. Bye for now.